Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're so thankful that you're taking some time today to listen. We pray that this week's message challenges you to press in deeper with your pursuit of Christ. Our mission at Vision Church is to go and make disciples. You can help us in this mission by rating this podcast and sharing it with the world via social media. We want to reach the lost by raising up the found. Thank you again for tuning in today and enjoy the message. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about you have been changed to make a change. There's a mentality in the body of Christ today that it's consumer-based. And it's promoted by several ministries. Well, you know, you get saved so God can help you pay your bills, heal you when you're sick, bless your family, do everything for you. And it's a very self-centered so-called gospel. But it is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. If you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17, very familiar passage of Scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. I want to read that again. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Now, if we're ambassadors for Christ, when there's an ambassador from the United States that is stationed in another nation, they are there to represent the United States. They don't go on their own dime. All of their expenses are met. They are, uh, their airfare, their housing, their food, they're well paid, but they're not well paid and their expenses are not met just so they can be on vacation yeah. They're there to represent. That's right. I'd like you to tell the person next to you, you're here to represent. You've not been saved just so you can go to heaven. You have been saved to bring salvation. You have been cleansed to bring cleansing. You have received emotional healing So you can bring emotional healing. You have been reconciled to God so you can bring reconciliation. You've been given the joy of the Lord to share the joy of the Lord. You've been forgiven to bring forgiveness. You have been delivered. Anybody been set free? To bring deliverance. You have been set free to bring freedom. Hallelujah. God's grace has come to us, not just to get it to us, but to get things through us. In Israel, not long ago, I visited the Dead Sea. The reason that it's dead is everything flows in, nothing flows out. Thus, nothing can live there. Not too long ago, 
I visited a home and from the outside, the home looked really nice. The lawn was mowed and everything was cared for, but inside they were hoarders and you couldn't get through the place. It was a horrific mess. Outside it looked good, inside all kinds of stuff. You know why? Because they never gave anything away. They never shared what they had with anyone else. And you know what happens when you become a hoarder? You're inviting rats and roaches. I wonder how many spiritual hoarders we have in the body of Christ, that it's all about what comes in. It's all about what I can receive for me, for me, for me. But no, it's not about that. The Bible says that we have been saved to be an influence. You see, God's not going to need your influence in heaven. Not in the sweet by and by. You, we need your influence in the nasty now and now. Because we live in a corrupt world that is messed up. And people need to know that we stand for righteousness, but we, all love, we also love people who are trapped and ensnared. It seems to me like people are, Pastor, on one extreme or another. They're just hateful to everybody that they see living a lifestyle they don't think is right. Yeah. Or they compromise and say, well, God loves you just the way you are. He does love you just the way you are, but he, leaves you, he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants to change you. It's not just what you're saved from, it's what you're saved to. What if, the, what if the children of Israel had been delivered out of Egypt and then never, ever, ever left the wilderness? Wow. It just took them a, a few days to get out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. But then they had a place that they were to be an influence. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus said in Matthew 5.13. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled. Now, to be a little brave here, one place in the King James English, it said it's good for nothing but the dung hill. Anybody know what that is? It's brown and sounds like a bell, you know, dung. Uh, never mind. <laughs> so I think we need to do what God's called us to do. He's saying, how would you salt salt if it loses its flavor? It's good for nothing. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. You don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all that's in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Everybody say good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Now, we're not saved by works. We hear that preached all the time. About all of us preach that. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I know the old church that I grew up in, people would boast as if they had done it themselves. They'd say, I came to the altar and I fasted and prayed and I sought God until he saved my soul. And then I got baptized in water and then I took communion and then I sought God till he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Do you hear what's wrong with that testimony? I, I, I. And so we get a revelation that that's not right and we realize that there's nothing we can do to make us good enough for, for heaven. And that's why he took our place on the cross and he paid the price and he did it all and he saved me by his grace. He called me to him. He drew me to him. He chose me and he chose you. 
And so it is by grace and without works that we're saved. But let's read the next verse. But we are his workmanship. Tell the person next to you, you're a piece of work. (laughs) Created in Christ Jesus. What are you created for? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan for your life. There are certain people he wants you to touch. There are certain ministries that he's going to involve you in and equip you for. And he planned for you to be here in this generation for such a time as this, to be an influence here, to be a change here. He specifically has a good work and good works for you that he had from eternity past. Yes. Isn't that incredible? So we're not saved by works. We're saved unto good works. But how can we make a difference if we're not different? How can we be an influence if we're just like everybody else? You hear this on social media all the time. Well, Jesus is not like the Jesus they preach in church. He hung out with harlots and Tax collectors and drunks and prostitutes. He didn't just hang out with them. He changed their lives. He was there to be an influence. Can I give you his own words? The scribes and the Pharisees, Luke 5.30, complained against the disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Repentance. Does anybody remember the difference in Zacchaeus' life? That rotten tax collector that swindled and cheated and took money from people, good old IRS agent that robbed people? I hope there's no IRS agents here. But he was crooked. Wasn't a sin that he was a tax collector, but he was a thief. Once Jesus came into his life and Jesus showed up and Jesus said, come on down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. I must abide with you. That doesn't mean visit and leave. That means I'm going to be there to be an influence the rest of your life. Zacchaeus began to sell what he had. He began to pay back uh, those that he had robbed with lots of interest. He began to give to the poor. What happened? Jesus changed his life. And he became an influence in the community for the good. Mary Magdalene, demon-possessed, crazy. When she encountered Jesus, Jesus didn't say, well, that's okay. I know you got these little demons inside you, but I love you the way you are. He brought deliverance. He changed her life. There's a, a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 8, where there's a man who dwells in the tombs. He cuts himself. See, there's an inner torment that is so tremendous, and it's in our world today, isn't it? They can't bind him with chains. He's not wearing any clothes. He screams. He cries. He's tormented. Nobody wants to go near where he's at because of the condition he's in. But there's a boat sailing across Galilee. And halfway there, a mighty storm comes up. The disciples are upset. Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus stands up and rebukes the storm. 
The Greek word there for rebuke, epitomeo, is the same word that it's used when he rebukes demons. Don't let everybody tell you that every storm is from God. Jesus would have never rebuked the work of his father. This storm was the devil upset knowing that somebody on the other side of that storm was going to be changed to make a change. So, as the boat docks, this man comes out screaming. He's possessed. He's demonic. But there's something about this one that just stepped off the boat that even though he's possessed with a legion of demons, they can't stop him from falling down and worshiping. Oh, there's deliverance in worship. There's no excuse for us not worshiping if he could worship. Amen. Jesus commands the demons to go out and they go into a herd of 2,000 swine. The swine run violently down into the lake. I saw the place where that happened there on Galilee. They still call it the swine drop. <laughs> and they're drowned in the sea. And the people of the city are so upset that they come out and ask Jesus to leave. They don't want him in their city. But that's not the end of the story. When they come back, they find this man who was crazy. Man, I'm telling you what, before Jesus changed my life, I did some crazy stuff. You don't have to admit to all of it, but you have to. Prodigal son, he was out of his mind. The Bible said when he came to himself. That's right. Sometimes we need an awakening. He's clothed. He's in his right mind. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. When you see that term sitting at the feet of in the New Testament, it means has become a student of. Yes. Throughout your Bible, Paul was a sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, the teacher, the Apostle Paul, before his salvation. And so when they find him like this, reading from Luke 8, 37, the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house. Where does your good influence need to start? Tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So when Jesus returned, the multitudes welcomed him and were waiting for him. Listen to this. Mark 5.20 says they gladly received him because of the man's testimony. The Decapolis, a ten city area, was changed from rejecting Christ to receiving Christ because this man shared what Christ had done for him and said, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. But I want you to hear this. The people saw a change in his life. Yes. <laughs> we cannot be the influence if we're not willing to be different. Anybody ever feel like you just don't fit in, kind of odd, maybe you're a little different than others? That's a good thing. God can use that. Amen. <laughs> And so, many years ago, there was a man whose mother died when he was about eight, his dad maybe when he was 12, and he was orphaned, and his life was rough, and sister took him in and 
literally just made a worker on their farm with him. As he got older, World War II broke out, and he enlisted in the Army in World War II. And only two other men from his company returned, including him, or, or, two, or three total. And he was a mess. He learned to medicate with alcohol. Back then, they called it being shell-shocked. Now we call it PTSD. His life was a mess. He was a mess. He couldn't get over drinking. Uh, that's how he dealt with everything. Uh, he uh, went to a fortune teller and begged for help, and she promised seven spirits to work in his life and home. He thought that was a good thing. Stay away from that, folks. That's witchcraft, and it opens the door for demonic presence. His life was a tormented mess, but he had a wife that he'd pretended to be good long enough to get this Christian girl to marry him, and then he went back to drinking. They believed in him and prayed for him, and one night in a camp meeting, he was gloriously saved and set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he described his experience when he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, I felt like I was a hollow log laying in a stream and some of the water was just washing through me, taking everything out. And he stood up to never touch alcohol or tobacco again. That was his testimony. I know it well because he was my dad. A few years after his salvation, my 12-year-old sister dies and their hearts are crushed. And the enemy tries to lure him back to the old life. But instead of becoming bitter, mom and dad opened their homes to kids that were hurting and kids that were in need. And all the time while I was growing up, there was always somebody there in the house that needed love and care. And they weren't getting paid by the system for it either. Time went on, they began to have home prayer meetings and then... Mom and dad opened a little mission, a little storefront church in between two of the bars that he used to drink <laughs> and hang out at because he didn't want to just be changed. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted to make a change. And army buddies, guys that he knew, uh, drinking buddies, I should say, wasn't many army buddies left, but there were some that weren't stationed with him that were army buddies would come up to him and, hey, Merle, come in here, let me buy you a drink. And he'd say, come in here and try what I'm drinking now. <laughs> and by their faithfulness and by their planning of churches, their missionaries in other countries, their churches in other states, there are thousands upon thousands of people being touched because they didn't just get changed to sit at home and say, well, isn't it wonderful what God's done for me? But they were changed to make a change. And that's why your pastor is here today, because of their faithfulness. So I want to challenge you to be the influence. Don't be influenced. In the Old Testament... There were rules about purification and if you touched a dead body or someone with leprosy or someone with an issue of blood, you were defiled. They affected you. But Jesus showed up full of the Holy Spirit. And when the unclean touched him, 
they were cleansed. Hallelujah. So I want to ask you, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're in your community, are they corrupting you or are you influencing them? If you, try, if you can't stand to be made fun of and you can't stand to be ridiculed and you think you have to fit in, you're never going to make a change. You've got to be willing to be different. <laughs> you know, I was raised mostly in the inner city, but for a couple years when I was a kid, mom and dad rented a farm next to a cattle farmer who was a mean football coach. <laughs> and one day his cows got out and he came and got me. I weighed all the 99 and a half pounds. My sister said my legs look like spaghettis cooked. <laughs> and my coach nicknamed me Possum Trot when I tried to run. I'm just being real. I was a scrawny little runt. And this coach said my cattle got out. I just need you to stand here by the gate. I'm going to round them up, send them down the road. And if you'll stand here by the gate and wave at them, they'll go in through the gate and I'll get them back in the field. Well, I don't never, if you've ever heard a herd of cattle on blacktop running toward you or not. But I'm telling you, it's scary. And I'm trying really hard. And they got closer. And the next thing I remember, I'm up a tree and they went on by. <laughs> Happened a couple of times. I don't remember how many. But you know what? Bob got so mad at me that he came to me and he said, if you let that happen again, he said, you, they will turn if you'll stand there. If you let that happen again, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so, here they come again. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I repent of everything that's wrong in my life. I may be seeing you really soon. And that first big old cow saw me waving like that and turned and went into the gate and they all followed into the gate. Now I'm the toughest thing in town. <laughs> Listen, I got more afraid of the coach than I did the, the herd of cows. When you have more fear of God than you do the herd that's thundering towards you, you'll stand and you'll make a difference and you'll be surprised how many you can turn. This is the true message of God's grace. I had some folks in the church many years ago that they wanted to teach Bible studies and preach in the Sunday morning pulpit, but they didn't want to help in the community or do anything different. I was frustrated one Sunday morning, probably 20 some years ago. And I said, if you really want to be effective in ministry, start in the nursing homes, in the hospitals, and where there's needs in your community. Begin serving wherever you can serve. The word minister doesn't mean somebody who rules over. It literally means one who serves. 
short time later, I received a call from St. Joseph's Hospital in Buchanan, and they said, you know, you got a teenage boy from your church that's going from room to room praying with people for healing. I said, well, what's his name? They said, Tyson Coughlin. Give him a hand. He deserves it. He, he was the quarterback on a football team and he was an influence for God. He got the team praying. He, he even wound up going into schools with the band and preaching the gospel in public schools in our area, in our state. Because he was determined not to just receive, but to give. It's not what God gets to you. It's what God can get through you. You are changed to make a difference. This is the true message of grace. Titus 2.11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He may redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself Look at this, his own special people, zealous for good works. God, God can use you. You can make a difference. Somebody that's hurting, you can make a difference in their life. Uh, there's a verse in Revelation that says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means whatever God has done for me, when I share that with somebody else, it's prophesying he can do this for you. I got a call from a family back during Operation Desert Storm. And they were very distraught. Because their son had enlisted in the army for the benefits, for the college education, for the pay, and for the respect. But he didn't want to actually have to go to war. He only wanted the benefits. But he didn't want to have to fight. How many of us have enlisted in this army just for the benefits? But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You've been given the armor of God, and when you've done all you can do to stand, stand. So my invitation for you this morning is not just say, I believe in Jesus. No. The last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, has a call for repentance. John the Baptist's first message has a call for repentance. Jesus' first message is a call for repentance. At Pentecost, Peter's first message is a call for repentance. And I'm so glad Jesus, the Lord, used him. If I'd have been the Lord, I'd have said, I'll use John the Beloved. Peter, he was cussing and carrying on and denying me, so I'm... Aren't you glad God uses people like us that have messed up and changes us by the power of His presence? Repentance, metanoia in the Greek means I was headed this direction. God has turned me around and now I'm going another direction. That's what God wants to do for you today. If you're listening to me and you haven't given your life to God, 
I'm not inviting you to join a social club. I'm inviting you to enlist in the army of God and the forces of hell will be arrayed against you, but he will come into you and you can say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He will equip you, he will train you, he will arm you and he will use you to make a difference. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your presence, your promise. I ask, Lord God, that these words you promised would not return void, would fall upon ears that will hear and receive. God, give somebody the courage and the boldness to stand today and say, by standing, I want to be part of the army of God. I want to repent of my old life and be changed by the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, click that subscribe button, share this podcast on social, or even take a screenshot from your story and tag us. We'd love to hear how the Lord is using this podcast to bless your life. You can send an email to info at visionchurch.com or you can DM us on social with a story of how God is moving in your world. Also, we'd like to thank those who invest in our ministry financially. It's because of your sacrifice that we are able to publish this every week. If you'd like to join in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in the description or visit visionchurch.com and click the Give tab. Thanks again for listening. God bless.